Hello, hello. I'm your host, Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and you are listening to the Joy Found Here podcast. I am obsessed with reminding my fellow mamas, queens, badass babes, ladies and girls that perfection is just a word, not a lifestyle. Multitasking is overrated. Comparison is a theft of happiness. And yes, you can put yourself first. Oh, and by the way, for optimum results, you should. I'm a New York girl from a small town, part-time badass, proud mama bear times three. I've seen 60 full turns of the sun. I've learned the importance of how kindness begins with you and your self-talk. Join us each week as we help you navigate both the messy and the magical season of this crazy ride called life. Real stories that remind us to reclaim your power. The sun does come out after the shitstorm. A good cry can be cleansing and... We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. I love it when I say the name. I love it when I start to sing, and I'm so excited to each and every week, talk to so many different, wonderful, interesting people. And obviously this week, no exception. So today we're speaking with Belle Lockerbie. Yeah, again, don't be surprised. Oh, she's a speaker. Oh, what's that? An author. Where (laughs) is this common thread? Like, I'm just so, so curious about everybody. The founder of Rise 365. So we're about... Women, we're about rebuilding confidence. Hey, let's make a business out of doing that to not only help us rise. And then it's great to, as the great Sarah Blakely, who was founder of Spanx, her greatest quote that I, one of her greatest quotes, and I have a few of them always on my computer, and that is money is fun to make, fun to have, and fun to give away. So I know we, we've got a brand new book coming out. I will say the title of it because I love the cleverness of the use of the words. So the title of this book is The Words, The Caterpillar Ate. That's Just take it. a minute. Just take a minute. Get the vision and... You're going to find how it all makes sense. I can't wait. So with that, I say thank you for being here and welcome, Belle. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I appreciate it. And I'm so looking forward to our conversation. I've been having a listen to a couple of past podcast episodes and I loved how you were having, I think it was the one with Danny Cobbin where you're talking about different ways that people do things and and being okay with like that, that messy middle as well and that is part of what the new book is about is how you start to language and move through those phases and work out what you've eaten, whether it's from society or from your parents or Mm. um, from the education system, whatever it is, and how you start to remember who you are and who you want to become for the next phase of your life. So that's kind of where that book starts to come from, really. Absolutely love that. You know, I've said it a few times because I definitely believe it. And words are tattoos. Absolutely. You don't realize how hurtful they can be or how inspiring 
words could be to someone. I mean, hopefully people have had an experience not of, God, you really sucked when you said this to me, more of you have no idea when you said this, it really resonated with me and changed my life type thing. And meanwhile, you might not have even remembered what you said yeah. and yet words were yeah. delivered. That, that, like, that's so true. And I think when you have the opportunity or like when that happens to you, where you receive some of those really positive words, and I think the where they come into their power is when someone believes what they're saying to you and you believe Correct. what they are saying about you they, as well. It's, they they it's see so or, or they see what you, perhaps in some cases you don't see. And yet it's always so obvious. Like you kind of want to take that person and shake them and say, I'm standing before total amazement. Absolutely. And sometimes you need to hear those things a couple of times for it to take hold. So, Belle, tell us, tell us about you anywhere you'd like to start. I'm sorry. I was just so excited. Sure. I'm like, I want to just get started. Oh, I'm sorry. Sure. Anywhere you'd like oh, to start. Oh, please. no, no, no. Me, me, too, me too. Okay. I am a mum of four kids in a blended family, which has been a great teacher in the fact that words can mean different things to different people, even though we, we speak the same language, we go, come from roughly the same generation, all those kinds of things. Um, it's, it's very interesting. I'm based in Perth, Australia, so right, mm-hmm. right down the bottom, and I live on the coast. I'm a TEDx speaker, and my TED Talk was called Is Your Dictionary Dead?, which is where I invite people to think about if they collected all the words that people had said about them and they put them in a basket and they started to sift through them, which ones would they find to be helpful and which ones might need a little bit of editing to create a definition that is more on purpose and more aligned to who they are and who they want to become. So that was the premise of the TED Talk because when you pick up a dictionary, you will find that words often talk about what something is. They don't necessarily talk about why something is, which I Mm. found really interesting. And I was just really curious about what would happen if we started thinking more about the why behind the words that we say to people and the ripple effect and the impact that they can have as opposed to the what we are saying to people. So if I go back in time, mm-hmm. I'm a Gen X woman, so I'm approaching 50. I'm not quite there. I'm in that fun phase of life called perimenopause, which I didn't even know existed a couple of <sighs> years ago. That's the only downside. <laughs> I did 50s and I'm in next decade. And I will say outside of that little portion of it, God, the 50s were so much fun. But like I come from that Gen X generation, so I was raised with messages around children should be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. When you would do good things, sometimes celebrating your success was frowned upon because no one likes a bragger and it's just uh-huh. like uh-huh. quiet down a little bit. But I think there comes a point in time where we have to take responsibility for ourselves and work out whether still living that old narrative or that old message that belonged to say six-year-old me if Mm. that's going to help 46 or 47 year old me and my children and my team or whoever else I want to create an impact within life and do I want to change the dialogue a little bit so that's kind of where that came from and I need to think as well that when my mum said a key phrase to me in life which was like shh no one likes a bragger because I Mm. had rescued Mm. my younger sister from drowning in a swimming pool I legitimately thought I was going to be famous I told 
everybody who would listen to me about my heroic act. I was waiting for the newspapers to come sure, and give me a medal absolutely. and everything. Absolutely. Yeah. And then he pulled me aside after my boasting mm. one day and just said to me, like, Shh, no one likes a bragger. And her intention would have been just to manage me and and my like my boasting about things but the impact that that had and Mm. she never got to know about this we never had a conversation about this sure was that I did start to quiet myself down so Mm -hmm. I would probably still be vocal for people and causes that I cared about but when it came to talking about me or or my needs or anything Mm -hmm. or when I found myself Mm -hmm. in situations that weren't great I would no longer talk about them so that silencing started to ripple through until I realised that actually I, I don't want to operate that way. And I have a daughter. She's now 14. Mm-hmm. She has a voice at the table. I think you've mentioned in your previous podcast around doing things differently, how you yeah. parent your children as yes. opposed to how you were parented and yep. being open to there's more than one way to do things. Oh, there's so many. And that's yeah, that's the thing, that you don't get caught in the role and that's right we can get really comfortable or you know be like well let me take my space let me take my spot but it never feels right you were going to be famous but you got shook yeah I did I still think one day I will be famous. I don't know. Like the, the uh, little girl Let me tell you, me my friend, <laughs> you are famous. Let's just start there because anybody else here? I am a TEDx speaker. Oh, and she's holding her book in her hand and she's on this <laughs> podcast. God damn it. If that's not fame, I don't know what is. It had to have just constantly like pet, just not even tapped your shoulder kind of just like a little gnat, a little fruit fly in your ear, like, what are we doing here? Absolutely. So that's part of why I wrote the book is to help people unpack words or definitions that they have consumed over time, especially like we have a whole generation that's growing up like my children who are growing up with social media where consumption is at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. It really is, mm-hmm. right? And it's uncontrolled consumption in like in a big way. If they're on their phones a lot or, or whatever's happening, you don't really know what they're reading, what they're listening to, what's going on. And social media can be such and an amazing tool for good. Yeah. So this book really is around understanding generational word diet. So maybe what you have inherited from mm-hmm. your parents or your grandparents mm-hmm. and understanding that that was languaging and and defining for a place in time and that time has shifted and evolved and it's okay if we shift and evolve our definitions as well so change it should be a four-letter word because (laughs) people will when they hear i want something different i do i uh, yeah i'm ready oh oh what what oh sorry what change Hmm. yeah i'll be okay the way i am then They should spell it differently. It's a four-letter word. So your, I want to say more than fascination, can I say love of words? Give me this background as to the way that you're listening to language. Where does that come from? Such a great question. As a small child, I 
did want to be a writer and the, the messaging that would come through during schooling was you will never make money as a writer. My dad would reinforce that message. Mm-hmm. But I was also really fascinated with words and I did write. So I'd write poetry and I'd do all sorts of things. But my love of words and language was probably more triggered by my parents and their very messy I will say hateful divorce, like hate for each other, mm-hmm. not hateful yeah. for me or my sister, right? And but how I old were you when that happened? I was six when they divorced. Uh, so around, around about when I was hitting 12, they thought it was a great idea for me to become their therapist. So, someone uses a term called being parentified, right? So, I started to become mm-hmm. parentified at, a, mm-hmm. at an early mm-hmm. age. And I know this happens to other people. And for those who don't know what that means, it's when the child is all of a sudden given adult responsibilities mm-hmm. to help solve adult problems. So, I remember standing in high school and having thought about these conversations that were happening with both my father, who was a very creative man engineer, really smart, also loved alcohol way too much. And Mm. my mother, also a creative person, suffered from severe depression for a very, Mm. very long time and and lost her battle with that a long time ago. But I remember having these like two sides of a story coming at me and having this realisation probably when I was about 12 or 13 to have a conversation with them to say, I love you both, but I cannot listen to what you have to say and and disrespect my mother Mm -hmm. and I can't Mm -hmm. listen to what you have to say to disrespect my father and having these separate conversations with them because of the impact of their words and and what they were having and I understand as like as an older person that they were both trying to be heard and and trying to be seen but how they were going about it wasn't Mm. necessarily helpful or it was more it was the timing that wasn't right so they were speaking Mm -hmm. from wounds they weren't speaking from scars so I think Mm. their their word wounds were huge so then I've just kind of carried this fascination with words and and how impactful they can be when someone says something to another person and then eventually I found my way into coaching and I became a Clifton Strengths coach where all of a sudden I had this gift of languaging what's good about people mm. and being given this full kit of what you mean ideation is a good thing. I thought ideation just meant my boss thought I was a pain in the ass. Like <laughs> um, it, it becomes completely different. So all of a sudden languaging, you can start to see how it can be empowering or disempowering depending on how we're communicating to others and how we're thinking about our word choice and and what Mm. we're putting out there and the difference that it makes. So as I started coaching women in particular around this word success and how they had defined it and Mm. professional women trying to work through what motherhood looks like versus trying to fit in a corporate career or how do we become entrepreneurial, which is the space that I'd moved into, Mm -hmm. you start helping them see possibilities outside of this boxed in definition of success and their worlds start to change. Powerful, empowering. And it sounds so easy, but I also always believe the teacher arrives when the student is ready. When people are hearing you, they're open and almost ready to put the baggage down. I knew it wasn't my bag, damn it, from the minute I picked it up, but let me put it down now because I think 
my carousel is over here. And then they are free to just explore without the stuff. Absolutely. And I think that letting go can be really challenging for some people because Mm -hmm. it's so tight to your identity or your story Mm -hmm. or you're using it to hold connection to someone from your past. Yep. But once you start to have some tools or a framework to kind of say, well, actually, the phrases around writers can't make any money, that story is my father's story from his time and place. That's not my story. Mm-hmm. You start mm-hmm. to gain your own personal power back and you start to create the change that you're here to make as opposed to thinking that you have to live a certain way or work a certain way. You get this new level of freedom. And that starting small, and it might just be like one thought, you're just either no one's ever really asked you how, uh, give me your strength, give me something, give me your superpower, tell me what you enjoy. And then when you say the first thing out loud and you're still alive to talk about the second thing, you're like, okay, ah, the shift comes. Yeah. And like, it does feel awkward when you start. So whether you're starting with your self-talk or you're starting with... Mm -hmm having courageous conversations with family or with friends or like whoever you're wanting to talk to. So just being a little bit kinder to yourself can make such a difference. It really can. It truly, truly can. And and it's usually what we see in the mirror. And weight has a lot to, you know, it can just put you right down the rabbit hole. It can throw you right off the ledge. Like in 2022, I decided it was a really good idea. Yeah, stop working out. Why not? So when that happens, hey, guess what happens? You start to put on some weight. I'm like, huh, okay then. Um, hmm, I guess I'll have to keep working out because either that or I'm just <laughs> going to continue to gain weight and again, take some time off. Now I'm not lifting as many weights. I'm, I'm Simple things. Let me walk more than 10,000 steps a day. I got a little walking pad. It's just little things. And I'm kinder to myself and I'm not like, yeah. oh, why would I want to wear these super skinny jeans that I really love? But guess what? They're not going to really fit that nicely right now. So let's not wear those at this moment. Let's get something yeah. that's and comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I think that's um, important is like working out what your choices are and mm-hmm. remembering that you do have a choice and choices mm-hmm. and superpower. So once you become aware of something, then you can work out what you want to do with it. So we'll all have a base of skill somewhere when it comes to dealing with change. It's just if Mm -hmm. it's a new situation, it might be, well, this is new, so I don't know how to navigate it, so I'll avoid it until you recognise and you are aware that that's what you've been doing and then you can go, okay, well, if I continue with this choice, what's my outcome? Or if mm-hmm. I look at my options and find a new one, then what could the potential outcomes be there as well? But I love what you said about being kinder to yourself and focusing on like the, the 10,000 steps and those kinds of things because health is the foundational value that I've had to shift over time. So health in my 20s may have looked like fitting in mm-hmm. the skinny jeans. Mm-hmm. That was my yep. health outcome is I, yep. I need to be this size, weigh this much, fit in mm-hmm. the skinny jeans and you right. know, flick the hair and everything's fabulous. Yep. And then post-baby, there was still that desire to get back into the mm-hmm. skinny jeans, but it became mm-hmm. more about 
setting an example for my kids and in terms of what I was eating or looking after my sleep. So that, that definition of functional health started to shift. And, and now that I'm in that fun stage of perimenopause, it's all about function. Like everything for me comes back to function, right? How my core values impact my ability to function, how I appreciate the body that I have is mm. the biggest thing because as I age, I want to enjoy that process. I don't want to experience dysfunction in certain areas. Most women, when you're in that stage, don't prioritize their health, not when your kids are small. Usually it's all about the kids. You know, let's continue to play small. I'll eat the leftovers. I don't worry about and that's where we all get lost in that whole mommy yeah. mode. That's where people are miserable. I mean, you know, so many women, they don't their superwoman capes outside as long as their children are, you know, like, oh, look at them going. And they treat themselves like shit. And that's usually when good awakenings happen. I know for me. <laughs> Like in my 40s when it was like, um, hmm, yeah, it's time. This isn't really working anymore for me. And that's when kind of my journey began. But you sound like you were on it. You were very aware. The the fact that anyone prioritizes sleep and health at a very early age, kudos, you were definitely on the right track. I think there's so much power in pressing pause and stopping and looking And that is part of the change process. Like if I put my professional hat on, the change process says you identify that there's an opportunity or there's a pain point. And then the next step really is you do what's called like a go see and assess. And you have a look at what the root cause is behind all of this stuff. So it's like, okay, so why why am I sitting in this space? And it's like, is it because of my kids or my workload or is it because I'm not looking after myself or is it because I'm operating off someone else's messaging about what success should look like or what a happy mm-hmm. family should look like mm. and how do I then change that? So what are my options? What am I going to do about it? Not what is my mentor going to do about it or what anyone else is going to do about it, but what am I going to do about it? And when you use the word I versus what do they expect me to do? Like, do I put on the makeup and, you know, keep the show going? Or is it like, this is it, this is me and I'm ready to tap out, guys? Absolutely. And like that word choice that you just mentioned there, I think Mm -hmm. is incredibly powerful because there's Mm -hmm. a difference. Like if you ever listen to anyone talk about, I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying to succeed at my business or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. There is such a shift when it's like I am succeeding in my business because Mm -hmm. for me that word try has got so much struggle attached to it and as soon Mm -hmm. as you let that struggle go, you start shifting into a more productive solution, whether it's I am looking for a solution to my problem versus Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find a solution to my problem. It's just Mm. you start to empower yourself a little bit more. And just that removal of that word, which does drive me crazy. But now that you put it and wrapped it in that context, that makes so much sense. I mean, I'm a lover of I am and everything that follows it, good or bad. So I can give you the most powerful, uh, all the things that I am. And then depending upon the mood or whatever, I could also go right like, oh my God, I'm such a fuck up. What the hell was I thinking? 
I can go right there very, very quickly. Now, the book, the words, the caterpillar, changing the language of you to get out of the goo, Leather. Your first book or not your first book? You wrote another book before this? Yes, I do. This is my second book. So this one is a personal development book. My first book is called Awkward is the New Brave, and that is a memoir, which basically the the core of the book is a part of the whether it's managing your internal chit-chat around all of that messaging on you can or you can't and being brave. So how do you find your smallest step to be brave? So what I did in that first book was I decided in 2018 to have my year of being brave and that was more because I had stood in front of a room of women who I was coaching and mentoring and I'd kind of Brene browned them a little bit and Uh said there's great Uh strength in choosing vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. But on a personal level, I was not living and breathing that. So I convicted, I kind of convicted myself and it became, well, if you're going to say those things, you need to walk your talk because that's what I do believe about messaging. Mm-hmm. So I decided to have this year of brave in 2018. And I started with the small things that had always been on my to-do list. And one of them was learning how to surf. So I started with learning how to surf after 40 and Mm -hmm. conquering all of that inner chit-chat that says you shouldn't be out here, you're mid-40s, you're overweight, all Mm -hmm. of the other surfers are going to laugh at you. What are you doing with your beginner board in the ocean? And the more that I just kept walking to the beach and listening to this voice and saying thank you for reminding me that I'm doing something new and making Mm -hmm. friends with what I would now refer to as like your inner caterpillar, the more I kind of said thank you to that voice, it would go away because it would give up, right? Right. So it's like, like well, damn, now, that didn't now work. You've got that. She's yeah, still going. She's going to get up on that board. Right. What is happening? She's doing it anyway. <laughs> I've tried to tell her she's going to like face plant, but she's done it anyway. Uh, but that voice will generally crop up anytime you're growing into a new level, whether it's mm. a, a new hobby or a new skill or whatever it is. And there's that little level of personal discomfort that voice will probably crop up because it's like, well, even like writing the second mm-hmm. book, like, what are you going to do with your second book? You've never written a personal development book before, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, thank you for the reminder. I'm going to do it anyway. So I love the acknowledgement versus yeah. letting it take space without paying rent in your mind. That's, so that's definitely the caterpillar because you said it's yeah. how you talk to your inner caterpillar. Have you always had mm-hmm. that metaphor? Have you had that thought process a while? Or okay. I love the title and where did it come from and the whole analogy? Okay. Talk to me. I think that the whole life cycle of a caterpillar is wonderful in terms of looking at how transformation works, right? So mm. if you think about from the start and the environment that they're on, and I did it like I know way more than I ever thought I would know about caterpillars mm-hmm. and butterflies now. So for a caterpillar to succeed, so we take monarch butterflies and when they're in caterpillar form, they need to be born on a certain type of leaf. If they're not sustained in the right environment, then it's their survival is very hard, like it's hard for them to progress and reach potential. So your environment and what you're consuming matters. That's kind of like the first stage. The chrysalis phase mm-hmm. for a caterpillar varies. So even within the same species, they don't have a fixed time frame. So change is a very individual thing, which I think we also need to be conscious of. Now, when they're in the chrysalis, 
these parts of their structure called imaginal discs, right? So those little discs are almost like our core values and they will signal what's going to evolve from the caterpillar part. So we're going to create a set of wings and they're going to be awesome and we're going to create feet, but our feet are now going to be able to taste things when we land on flowers and, and all that kind of stuff. But if you were to open a chrysalis, it's just going to look like a big mess because no one really in any transformation process likes to acknowledge the big messy phase, but it happens because there's beauty on the other side of it, Mm. right? So then what scientists have actually found, and this is why I love the analogy of caterpillar language, they were trying to work out whether the brain of a butterfly is different to the brain of a caterpillar. Mm. So these poor little caterpillars, when they're in caterpillar form, they would actually zap them while they were on like food sources for them as a butterfly. And what they Mm -hmm. found out is when they became a butterfly is they would remember being zapped as a caterpillar and they would avoid it. So that's where I think it's that old caterpillar language, right? So Mm. sometimes you can be triggered by old things because you remember it from Mm -hmm. an old story. The beauty for humans, though, is we are not caterpillars Mm -hmm. and we're not butterflies. So Mm -hmm. we can reason and recognize that, okay, this is actually good for me. Yes, I have. So say it's around healthy relationships. A relationship is a good thing for me to have. My old language and my old experiences were not great because someone zapped me at some point in time but I can now know what a good one looks like and that it's safe for me to move into this space and do some work and do some healing. So I can recognise the old and also recognise the new and that my food source is now different. So as I was writing it, I was looking at that whole life cycle and what happens when we come out and linking it through to our own language and our own permission to emerge and what, what do you actually need for emergence into this new version of you, basically, what do you need for that to happen? So to get out of a chrysalis, they need the right environment. They won't emerge without the right environment. And I think the same happens for humans, that you need the right support system and you need the right languaging, whether it's how you're speaking to yourself or speaking to others, to emerge and to get to that next level of you. And then as you head off towards your goal, recognise that it's you don't have to fly in a straight path and people rarely do just like a butterfly they never fly straight I love that and I knew I would I love the title I just love the words and especially that last part about you don't have to fly in a straight line and you don't have to keep doing what you're doing because that's what you've done that should be like on every billboard. That should be in every high school and every college where oh, these kids absolutely. are just like, where are you going? What are you going to study? What are you going to do? What are you going to, you know, what if they don't want to, you know, what if someone wanted to be a librarian? It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, do yeah. something else. That's right. And I think being able to go, so I mentioned my friend Amanda in this book who Mm -hmm. has this great thing around what do you want to do, especially for for kids or students who are thinking about their their futures? Mm -hmm. What do you want to do first? Not Ah. what do you want to do forever, right? But what do you want to do first? Or if you're old, ask what do you want to do next? It's so good with one word, one word. Yeah. Oh my God, that is so good. 
Well, I would love it. If this, next. I would love <laughs> if this book ended up on billboards and and across schools and everything because the like the languaging that we're using with ourselves and the people that we love and lead, I think, is just so like incredibly powerful and being conscious of your own filters or your own biases that you may have, like for teachers and students as well, to think about the impact and are you really helping them understand their potential and that Mm. they don't just have to fit in a box, Yeah, that they can bust out, be their own brilliant butterfly, their wings are allowed to look different, it's all good. So your book is available because we want now everybody to read about the caterpillar <laughs> and realize we the strength do. of the we words do. and the power that we all have. Absolutely. So where we are we going to find you? On First start on social and then the book and sure. all of that good stuff. So on Instagram, you can find me just at Belle Lockerbie and you can find me on YouTube as well. On Facebook, I'm at Hey There Bell on my business page, so Bell B E L L E. And for the books, you can find both books. Any of the major retailers, you can walk into a bookstore and ask for them to order it for you if you want to support your independent bookstore. Or you can head to my website and go to belllockerby.com forward slash books, and you'll find a heap of links in there for some of the big players. So whether you want the digital from Amazon or Apple, or you want to buy it through Book Depository or Barnes and Noble you can find copies through all of those sources. And there's some great little bonus resources sitting inside here to help you on that transformation journey. And whether it's around how you lead yourself or how you're wanting to lead others, there's a toolkit there to support you through that. Love, love, love that. So I find it not funny at all, but interesting that you prophesized when you were smaller how famous you are going to be and your thought of it, your idea of fame at the time you were young was very different, but I hope that you realize you got your fame. Like if the questionnaire was, have you achieved fame status? Yes or no? Your box is checked. Yes, of course it is. Thank you. The purpose really is to help other people at the end of the day. So same as like pulling my sister out of the pool many, many, yes. many years ago. Yes, um, yes. It's the same. It's yeah. pull, pulling someone else out of a different pool. It's just yeah. the personal development pool, I guess, now. Indeed. So, yeah. Absolutely so love you. it. Oh, boy. All right. Listen, everybody. I know. I told you. I told you she was going to be good. I just knew it. And make sure you <laughs> check that book out. Just that little self-talk. Too powerful. Imagine what the book is going to tell us. Just imagine. As always, comments on the website, joyfoundhere.com. Five-star review for this one. Thank you. Anything less than five, please hold it. And... So appreciate all the support. This has been such a great ride. We are starting our new year closer and closer to our 100th episode, which is crazy, crazy, loony, crazy, and could not have done any of that without you guys. Always appreciate your support. Till the next week, be well. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments, and feedback. 
Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this.